you on the panel, uh, NZ National. Uh, happy Friday. Nice to have you along. Uh, now, just a breakdown. It's blocking the right lane on westbound Teatatu off-ramp, causing some delays back onto State Highway 16. This is the State Highway 16 Northwestern, merged with care there. So uh, a breakdown there. And in the south, due to Stow, State Highway 94, closing at 4.30 p.m. today. Uh, that's from Eastgate, the Hollyford Road Junction to Westgate, Don River Bridge, and reopening approximately 9am tomorrow. And just a word on this today, Niwa has declared the official arrival of the El Nino weather pattern. It traditionally causes dryness in the east, more rain in the west, and is expected to bring dramatic temperature swings over the next three months. And almost as if to make the point, much of the country in for a rough ride this weekend. To tell us about it briefly with us, uh, Niwa forecast. To Chris Brandolino. Appreciate your time, Chris. Joe Wallace, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you formally declared El Nino. How does it announce itself? What are the telltale signs? Well, it's a coupling of the ocean and the atmosphere. So it's a two part process. So the ocean for El Nino needs to get unusually warm for a sustained period of time along the equator. And as it gets east of the dateline, especially as you approach South America. So in that zone, out toward the Galapagos Islands, along the equator, out to the dateline, the water gets unusually warm. At this moment, it's about 1.5, 1.6 degrees warmer than usual. That may not sound like a lot, but it's a big number. Mm. And then the atmosphere has to come to the party. So for a while, the ocean was saying, hey, I'm in, I'm in El Nino. You know, and, it, and to give an analogy, we had the ocean at the altar and the atmosphere was just taking its time walking down the aisle to get to the altar. And that's what we call coupling. So the atmosphere and the ocean have to be coupled, meaning that the ocean and the atmosphere are kind of working together to create distinct weather patterns of rainfall. So remind us what sort of conditions it'll bring. What will it mean for summer? Yeah, well, we haven't issued a summer outlook quite yet. That'll come later in November. But um, if we want to get through the next three months, which mm. is the rest of the calendar here, uh, I think that will give some strong indications as to what summer may hold. So having said that, for those in the upper and eastern North Island, basically the same areas that had just way too much rain going back to last year and certainly the first half of this year, they're going to trend on the complete other end of the spectrum. So places like Carafati Gisbon, Hawke's Bay, Waterapa, Waikato, Northland, Auckland, the next three months, below normal rainfall. doesn't mean it won't rain. It just means that there's going to be less rain than what is typical this time of the year. And we're going to see some lengthy dry periods. I know tomorrow is basically going to be, well, to put mildly, a gross day weather-wise. But as we kind of get past tomorrow, beginning, say, Sunday, Monday, we'll probably enjoy a six-, seven-day period where it's really dry. Okay. Um, and, and dryness is also likely, I should say, for the northern and eastern South Island. So Canterbury over toward Marlborough. One place where we probably won't find dryness is the west of the South Island. So think of the same areas that had the heavy rain, even the flooding last week. So Southland, uh, Westland, uh, over toward Interior, Otago, Queenstown. Uh, there is above normal rainfall. We've got to watch for heavy rain events and even potentially some more flooding over the next three months. Oh dear. Hey, Chris, kia ora. I appreciate the update. Uh, thank you. Uh, that is uh, Chris Brandolino there, Neil Forecaster, declaring the official arrival of the El Nino weather pattern. All over the place, isn't it, the weather? It's Absolutely. quite extraordinary.
I was I was uh, thought of a question for Chris if we had him, which was we've all developed weather anxiety post the events earlier in the year. Right? The articles that you can read. How do I get less stressed about the weather? Should I follow it? Should I not follow it? I was wondering what it's like for forecasters. It's a really uh, great question. How do they yeah. feel? Do they feel more stressed because of the responsibility that they might bear or the message? So if, if the, the the punter in the street's feeling anxious, how are the forecasters feeling? Yeah. Okay, 12 past four and uh, to this, how to break the cycle of poverty that many find themselves in. The cost of living is driving many to the wall. Now, our next guest writes that one of the major drivers is the way the welfare system will push some of the most vulnerable people into debt for loans for things like School uniforms or power bills. It's an issue that's been building for decades. It's an election campaign, of course, so you'll be hearing, and you are hearing even today, a lot about beneficiaries. The main, So the main benefits include the job seeker benefit rate. So that's at $337.74 a week. Sole parents receiving $472.79 a week. And on top of that, there is an accommodation supplement. And then you've got this third level, which is a one-off discretionary payment for essential needs. And this is what people are increasingly turning to. With us is Associate Professor in Law at Auckland University, Hannah Wilberg. Hannah, kia ora. Nice to have you on. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm looking at the numbers here, and I'm just thinking, yeah. even with an accommodation supplement, You'll be watching your pennies if you get $337 a week. Does power, food, car or bus, phone bill and heating come out of all that? It does. Um, so on top of that... Are you there? Credit? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. repeat that, please. On, on top of the main benefit and accommodation supplement, um, families with children will also get a tax credit. Um, but the, the point is that regardless how much that adds up to in the particular case uh, for the family, uh, it's still uh, – so a number of people have done the calculations and found that it just isn't enough to make ends meet. Uh, so the Welfare Expert Advisory Group that was appointed by the government a few years ago uh, did a lot of number crunching and, and looked at different family uh, models. So, you know, a sole parent with two children, a couple with two children, et cetera, uh, and whether they could meet their core expenses, um, one question, and secondly, whether they could, whether they had enough to, for a minimum level of participation in society. So, like, uh, doing a sport or um, taking public transport, et cetera. And they found that most family types uh, were short, even for the core expenses, you know, just the bare essentials. So what happens if you can't cover the basics? What do you do then? Yeah, so that's where the third level comes in. So you've got your weekly payments, uh, like the main benefit and, and the supplementary things. Uh, and then if you run out uh, for, you know, particularly when big bills come in uh, and obviously the, the uh, weekly payments aren't enough for that, then there is provision for discretionary one-off payments to help you with um, those uh, things like car repairs or, or, or replacing a broken appliance or whatever it might be. Uh, but um, the problem is that you 
Usually the, the version of discretionary one-off payment that is given uh, is it takes the form of a loan, so it has to be repaid, which might seem okay and might be okay, but the problem is that those loans have to be, they start repaying them immediately, like the very next week. Uh, and so, um, so this is called an advance, and as soon as you get an advance, then the next week, um, every week, um, something is deduct- deducted from your benefit oh. to repay that. I see. Uh, So that's where the problem is. Yeah. yeah. And every time you get a further advance, um, a further weekly deduction is added. Uh, So the more you run out of money, the more uh, the less money you have every the next week. Stay there. What I mean. Stay there, Hannah. We'll go around the panel and we'll come back to you, Julia Hartley Moore. It's a. It's. I mean, in in this these times, it's just people with a lot more money are are struggling. So how on earth you do Mm. it with that? I don't know. Um, but I kind of think there needs to be, I mean, that just shows you that you need to get off that benefit. You've just got to, I mean, I, I, I've been on a benefit. I was on a benefit when I was a single parent. So I, I know what it's like, and it's the most destructive thing ever to be on a benefit for your mental health. Um, it erodes your confidence. And the sooner you can get off it, the better. So I think if people could get off it, and it's not Sorry. all people are actually in a not all people are in a position to get off the benefit, right? So if you're a sole parent with young children, you're not actually expected to get off the benefit until the children are much, are much older. Or if you're on the supported living payment, which is for people who've been assessed as lacking capacity to work um, in in the open in open employment, there's no expectation that they get off the benefit, and yet this um, system applies to all to everyone, right? James. Well, that's where I think that needs to be changed. If you can't yeah. get off a benefit for whatever reason, but if you can, you should be given an incentive to do so. So don't have to pay back your loan if you can get off it and stay off it. All but right. if you can't, I think there should be something done. James. I guess the first thing I'm really hoping the answer to this is no, is that there's no interest charged on these loans, I assume. Is that right? Hannah? That's right. Yeah. At, at least there's no interest charge. You're right, James. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, but you see, so that's, um, I guess what I, one of the suggestions I have is that we could think of these things like student loans, right? And so they have no interest charge on them until you start working. But you also don't have to start repaying them until you start working, right? And that would make a lot of sense for these. Well, that to me actually sounds like quite a quite a good fix, uh, Hannah. So, uh, mm-hmm. one it doesn't, it doesn't to me. Yeah, it yeah, sounds what, like if you, yeah, one, if you didn't have to pay it back because you, if you're working, you've got to start paying it back. Why would you go to work? Well, so if you if you only start paying it back once you earn um, above a certain threshold, then by by earning that much, you actually are making yourself better off regardless, even if you have to start paying back the loan. So I think the best incentive for, for people to get off benefits is they will actually earn more because you just literally get very, very little on a benefit. So you would want to stay on it um, if they have the option. So it's like, being a, it's like being a student. So if I have a student loan, uh, instead of actually um, staying on uh, the student lifestyle forever... Mm. I want to get a job right, and once I get yeah. that job, uh, then I start paying back the loan. Whereas exactly. on the dole, on the benefit, you've got to start paying it immediately. But your fix is, hang on, why don't you just pay it off once you get that job? Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, I mean, if you if you don't have the money for whatever it is, so you need the discretionary advance, then logic says, well, you don't have the money to pay to start repaying either. So you, 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 it's exactly. a lose lose proposition from day one. It is completely, yeah. and and of course, bear in mind that this is meant to be the safety net, right? Uh, so this is uh, for people who cannot uh, earn money to support themselves and their children uh, to make sure that they don't become destitute uh, and yet of of the amount of money that's already too little that results in them running out of money, we then deduct weekly amounts of often $50 or more by the time you add up all of the different deductions. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's not a good system. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a very interesting uh, piece in the conversation, Hannah. Kia ora. I appreciate your mm-hmm. time today. Uh, that's uh, Associate Professor in Law at uh, Auckland University, Hannah Wilberg, uh, advocating a style similar to student loans where instead of you know the, the deductions when you're on the benefit, once you've got that job, then you pay that off. But I'd like to know uh, how hard is it to access this one-off grant um, if you are on a benefit, I'd like to hear your story. Text me 2101. 21 past four, the panel. Now, no swim warnings are likely to be in place for Auckland's Waitamata Harbour for up to 10 days after a sewer pipe collapsed, became blocked this week. Could take weeks to clear the blockage in the pipe. Be several months before it's fully repaired. The ground is saturated with all the rain, so it's very susceptible to sinkholes. The issue has highlighted once again the fragility of the city's underground and ageing infrastructure, an issue that other regions are grappling with. Now, Arahui was replaced by Nati Fatua on Waitamata, supporting there be no swimming, fishing, paddling, diving or entering water. And I've just looked at the SafeSwim website and goodness gracious, what a picture. There are so many beaches uh, that uh, you just cannot um, uh, swim in. But uh, Julia, your beach, Right Eye Beach, Big Green, you can. But with us I is, saw that one. Yeah, I saw that. Which is uh, interesting, isn't it? So with us is Dr. Jay Harrower at Te Whata Ora National Public Health Northern Regional Medical Office of Health. Dr. Harrower, welcome. Uh, welcome, thank you. Now, large volumes of untreated wastewater hour upon hour for days into the Waitamata. What are the immediate public health concerns here? Yes, I mean, you're right, this is an unprecedented incident. Um, so the concern is that if anybody comes into contact with contaminated water, they would become unwell. So if they were to potentially swallow water, they could get gastroenteritis, so diarrhea, vomiting, uh, but they can also become unwell just by being in contact. So if you had an open sore or an open wound, that could become infected. If you would put your head under the water, you could get infections of your ears, your nose and your eyes. Okay, so for people out there listening to this, uh, particularly well, those in Tamaki Makaurau, uh, what's the message if you are planning a, uh, well it's going to be wet, but planning a picnic or a cup of tea by the beach or an ice cream? So we would recommend completely avoiding that. So if you look at the Safe Swim website, as you've noted, there are a huge amount of black flags in yeah. all of those beaches on the inner Waitamata Harbour. So we would advise avoiding those. Obviously, the, the greatest risk would be to go in the water, but we would actually advise also not to go on the beach if you don't have to because it's wet, it's windy, it's going to be spray that could be contaminated and get uh, cause infections in there. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yes, yeah, so maybe even possibly avoid the beach. And I'm just looking at the Safe Swim site now. Goodness, look at those black flags. Extraordinary. A couple of, uh, actually three, five, five, six red ones as well. Julia? 
well, I'm not going to go swimming anywhere at the moment because it's not like the temperatures of Crete, is it, the water? It's not. Yeah. It's, it's still cold, and I'm taking that from my husband who's a surfer. He's telling me it's still cold. So I'll be leaving that alone. But you've, you, but I can't believe how many beaches are, are contaminated. And the thing is, you do not want to get anything like gastroenteritis. You do not want to get that. Mm. Stay, so stay, st- stay there, Jay. James, you got a question or a comment? Yeah, I do have a quick, first of all, a comment. I'm a dog walker, and the, the beaches are full of dog walkers at this time of the year, so we'll need to change that behaviour, I think. Jay, what about with the, the viruses and whatever else can be developed, bacteria, in the food chain? How does that affect, how long will that, if, could that effect last? I mean, before gathering shellfish and fishing, that sort of thing. Very good question. Um, you're right. So shellfish can, what's called, bioaccumulate these contaminants, and they can be still potentially infectious that uh, caused the likes of gastroenteritis many days and weeks after the actual beach might be cleared to be safe for swimming. So we are advising at the present time no shellfish gathering in the Waitemata Harbour for at least the next 28 days. Yeah, very, very good uh, question there, James. Now, um, the pro- the problem um, is this large volume of sewage, Dr. Harawa. I mean, do you have any any idea of the volumes that's been pumped into the Maitamatai at the moment? Uh, not specifically. I, yeah. I mean, you're right, though. It is, it, like I say, it's an unprecedented incident. This is by far the largest type of event that our team has been aware of, and we've got people going back working for public health for 30 years. All right. Well, we'll certainly keep abreast with the issue, but for now, uh, Jay Harrower, thank you for your time. Uh, that's uh, the Te Fata Ora National Public Health Northern Regional Medical Officer of Health. Unprecedented. I'm looking at the Safe Swim website here, and there's also, alongside the black flags, there are about, oh six or so red flags, which means... These are the ones that um, have a long-term alert, which is water is consistently poor and it's not advised. So we've got the likes of Foster's Bay, Titirangi Beach is a red flag, long-term water quality problem, Green Bay, Linfield Cove, you've got Cox's Bay, Point Shev in the city, Oakley Creek in Waterview. It's, It's astonishing. I mean, both of you are in Auckland. It's astonishing. That this is happening, isn't it? And if you think about all this windy weather that's going to be predicted, not just windy, but gales and the rest of it, so how far sea spray might travel. Exactly. So not just people on the beaches, it could be people who just happen to live near a beach. It really highlights, Julia, just how degraded our underground infrastructure is, huh? Didn't we? Weren't we talking about that when we had all the floods too? I yes, mean, when was it last looked at? Checked? Yeah, it's, it really, really needs attention. This again is just showing us it's got to have attention. Mm. And not particularly first world, would you think, James? You've got all these beautiful, stunning beaches, um, many of them in a city, not acceptable. Not, yeah, not good. Not good. And how long? Right? Yeah. Still don't know how long it's going to take no. to actually repair. Uh, other red flags, I'm looking at uh, Ornitangi Stream there, uh, Little Onoroa Lagoon in Waiheke, and uh, go to the safeswim.org.nz site, and it's quite an eye-opener, but uh, I do recommend you do that. And uh, Dr. Harrow recommends not even walking along the beach because of that spray. So, yeah, keep clear. 27 past four, the panel, RNZ National. By the way, it is Power Ballad Friday, so it's something to look forward to there for me, <laughs> maybe you. But to this... The new phone call etiquette, text first and never leave a voicemail. So the new norm apparently is when you're trying to get hold of someone, call. Let the phone ring 
And when they don't pick up, often the case these days, don't leave a message because really, who can be bothered checking it? What you do is text. It's just another example of how phone use has changed over time. And I was thinking, is this not so weird, James Elliott? Well, it's a bit like, so are you going to text or do you send someone an Instagram message telling them to check their WhatsApp linked into their Snapchat that there's a message on Facebook over to LinkedIn? Please check that because there might be a direct message on Twitter that's telling you to pick up a message from someone. I mean, you know, the thing I struggle with is what's the preferred line of communication with different people? Yes. There are some people who will only communicate with you on WhatsApp. My son will only commu- my son is absolutely of the school. Don't leave a message. He actually, his voicemail message says, "Don't leave a message. I will not listen to it." Um, so certain people you can only contact through Facebook. Other people through, you know, the different channels. It's hard. It's yeah. difficult. Uh, Julia, because uh, apparently uh, calling someone out of the blue, this article said calling someone out of the blue can feel stressful to the recipient. But I was thinking, how the heck did we all get on in the eighties? When the hall phone would ring, <laughs> out of the blue, you know, tea time, you're sitting down for tea, next minute from the hallway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I didn't feel and stressed. I was just answered the phone. Yeah, well, that, we, that is what it was back then. But You look, just answered the phone. Like, totally, you did. You answered the phone because that was what you did. But for me, I've always... I mean, I'm, I run a business that's weird anyway, and it's all about odd times of night, daytime oh. calls. So for me, it doesn't make any difference. Having said that, you really don't – the message thing, who listen, who checks their phone for messages? I've got about 100 saved messages. I don't know how to get rid of the damn things. And um, I just have to hope people will text or email me or WhatsApp me or whatever, but – yeah, hang life on, has hang on, hang on. So, so you can't even be bothered to check your messages on your voicemail. Oh no! Listen, if I do, I obviously for work I have to, right? But mm. then I just have so many ones that I've listened to, and I had, and I just don't know how to get rid of them. And I just dread it when I see it come up. You've got a voice message. I think, oh no, just text me. I can deal with that. You know. Well, I know people but, who who won't answer if it if it's an unknown number, they won't answer. So they'll only well, answer to the people who are in their con- only answer for the people in their contacts list. So in the eighties, we never knew who anyone was on the phone. You, you're dashing down the hall, <laughs> hoping it'll be somebody. Yeah. Um, telephone. <laughs> tele- <laughs> Remember that, and you'd try and get a quiet space with the long cable. Can you do the ringtone oh, again okay. for us? <laughs> That's yeah, very good. You, you know. And you try and get some privacy, so you have a you hope you have a long cable, or you take the telephone into the toilet. Yes, yes, all of that. Those were the days, Julia. All <laughs> your days, Wallace. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, speaking of um, uh, days, uh, quite a bit of a response regarding uh, birthdays, and quite a few people have their half birthdays. Dan says, Wallace, my birthday is January, and when I was a kid, all my friends were on holiday, so no one could come. Big downer when you are six. So I had a half birthday for years. I would also get packed off to my grandparents for the holidays, so technically I got two birthdays. Bonus. Sadly now, I'm a grown-up. My wife and kids aren't having a bean of it. Could you perhaps put a word with them on my behalf? Thank you for your support. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the panel. Uh, NZ National, we have Julia Hartley-Moore and James Elliott.